Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Osiris. Welcome to another episode of Boost Chicks Podcast. Not only another episode, the very first episode of season two of Goose Chicks Podcast, an all-women-led show focused on the band Goose and the community that supports them. I'm Leslie Mack, producer and co-host. And on today's show, we highlight Mental Health Awareness Month with a discussion with June Atkin. But first, let's check in with the crew. Chelsea, Hannah, Lex, how are y'all doing today? We're good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. Yeah, the end of I the mean, week. it's the end of the week, it's a Friday, and festival season is upon us, which brings us to our first conversation. We are starting a new mini-series as part of season two. We have a few of these that we'll be announcing, but the first one is called Into the Fest, which is a new mini-podcast series from us, where we'll be going to some festivals and reporting back on all of the shenanigans uh, that take place at them. Um we're going to start with Scamp. I'm going to turn it over to Chelsea and Hannah, just run through what's going to be happening there because they're going um, and their official media, they're going to be covering the festival. It's very exciting. And it's Chelsea's first uh, camping festival. And also, I think it's going to be quite a reunion of people uh, that are going to miss Scamp the way that it has been prior, you know, up until this year. So take it away, Chelsea. Oh, you're muted. Oh, so Summer Camp uh, Music Festival is coming up starting Thursday, the 25th. And um, we will uh, be there, Hannah and I. Hopefully you caught our live that we did on Facebook. If not, check it out. Uh, We talked about Summer Camp and our plans and all that great stuff. But I did want to chat really fast because every time we talk about summer camp, this one band keeps coming up. And so I thought it was only right if we gave them a proper feature um, because we've mentioned their name several times. So 
Um, we keep hearing about this band named Mr. Please. Uh, they're going to be playing on Thursday at four o'clock um, at summer camp on the pre-party. Um, and they are a super groovy rock band from Louisville, Kentucky, with a knack for both catchy hooks and deep improvisation. They bring a new sound fusing fresh, danceable tracks with jams that range from funky to ethereal that are sure to get your booty moving and feet tapping. And seeing them live is the best way to experience their richly textured sound. So you will have that chance um, at summer camp. They actually uh, won the Battle of the Bands um, to get this spot at summer camp. So that's huge for them. And like I said, they'll be playing Thursday, uh, 4 to 5 p.m. on the Soulshine stage. Uh, so make sure you hit up Mr. Please. I actually have been listening to them on Spotify, and I'm really into it. So um, we will definitely be seeing this show. Uh, and you can listen to them on Spotify or on Bandcamp. And follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Mr. Please Music. We'll have all those links in the show notes. Yes. Yeah, so Scamps up first. And hot on its heels, we'll be heading to Resonance. Who's talking about that? Is that you, Hannah? Oh, yes, I am. Ah, um, yeah. So we'll be going to Resonance Fest. What are we going to be yes, doing? I just wanted to add one thing about Scamp, which is that um, I actually have been getting DMs from people um, asking about it and if tickets are still available. So I just want to say, yes, tickets are still available. Consider going, especially knowing that it's going to change significantly after this year. And um, I had a cool interaction with someone who was like, oh, like uh, my husband and I didn't realize that there was workshops that you can do at summer camp. And I was like, oh, yeah. She was like, that would be like the make it or break it for us. And so I sent her the information about like the yoga stuff they do in the flow arts uh, workshops. So just keep that in mind. If that's something you like, you know, scamp is where it's at. Uh, but also Resonance is awesome. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. It's going to be at Nelson Ledges this year, which is a legendary venue for festivals in Ohio. It's beautiful. There's quarries and cliffs. Just like anything you would ever want in nature is there. So if you're not big on camping festivals, um, just know that this is one that, you know, you might actually want to camp at just because there's a lot of outdoorsy type stuff you can do if you want to get away and just meditate in nature and be amongst, you know, the, the beauty that our world has to offer. Um, but also be careful because it is very rustic. And so if you do go exploring, make sure you bring a buddy and make sure that y'all are aware that there are cliffs and, you know, jump like jumping off points and stuff like that. So just be really careful uh, when you, if and when you go exploring. And then um, I guess for me, I am very excited about Resonance because I haven't seen festivals in Ohio probably since I was maybe 20 or 21 and I'm 35, long time. And every time I have tried to see a festival at Nelson Ledges, for one reason or another, it's not worked out. Either the festival gets moved or I couldn't get time off from work or whatever. And so uh, it's very special to me that this is the last residence that they're doing. And it's at this beautiful, amazing venue that I've never been to. I've, I've basically been chasing this venue, I guess. And so that makes it a, an especially special uh, festival for me. And so I'm actually not going to work the festival. I just want to hang out with my Ohio homies, my Cincy Trash crew friends to be an audience member the entire time of residence. And then, of course, we know Goose is headlining, which is awesome. Two nights of Goose. 
But also Great Blue, which is one of um, Peter's side projects, is also on the lineup, which is really cool. And then I know we've talked a little bit about this band Doom Flamingo on our show. Uh, it's one of the bands that Chelsea and I shouted out that we want to see when we did our live the other day for uh, summer camp. And then I believe Leslie was talking about them whenever she was doing coverage of the jazz festival she did in NOLA. So that's another exciting band. And then another cool, the last thing I'll say about uh, about residents is that um, they have a TBA still for one of the headliner slots. So it'll be interesting to see who they bring in for that. And it kind of makes it a fun little like, you know, we were talking about you can only plan so much. Um, we can. We, this is like an unknown factor, I guess, for residents, which I think is cool. So, uh, I believe the word on the street is that there's a um, a uh, what do you call it parameter or perimeter uh, clause. They know who the headliner is, but they can't announce it until the show they're playing. That's too close to the location of resonance um, is over and then they can announce it. So they know who it is, but they can't say because of these clauses that different venues have that you're not allowed to announce shows that are within, you know, 150 or 200 miles of wherever the show is. So um, this makes it so interesting. Like, who is it going to be? Like, have we looked up, you know, like, have we looked oh, yeah, up? What there's bands entire are... Reddit threads just talking about this particular topic. So uh, if you want to chat with Drew, he'll, he'll happily drive, dive down <laughs> Uh, rabbit hole with you. Uh, the last festival for sure that we'll be covering is going to be Levitate, which is at the end of Goose's summer tour. And I'm um, just being honest, I added Levitate to the end of my summer tour run because Brandy Carlisle is also one of the headliners. And I've been trying to catch her live for quite a few years now. So of course, Goose is headlining the third night. Didn't hurt. And I'm excited to attend the fest. I've never even heard of um, the festival before this. In addition to Brandy and Goose, Levitate features Trainus Stasio Band, Stick Figure, Ziggy Marley, Lucius, Melt, Salisa, and more. And a couple cooler things about Levitate as well is in addition to music acts, they have a live and experiential art component, which will feature live muralists and art installations. And this is also a really, really super kid-friendly fest. They have a whole kid zone dedicated to engaging young fans, and they even have Levitate camp counselors. So they're there to like engage with kids and really um, have them integrated into the entire um, process. So tickets are still available for Levitate. You can go to levitatemusicfestival.com and uh, get your tickets right there. They're available. I think they have day, day passes available now as well. Um, this is just outside of Boston. I think it's about 45 minutes to an hour outside of Boston in Massachusetts. Definitely hit that one up. Definitely. And Friday night, um, let's see, Stick Figure is playing. If yeah. you have not seen Stick Figure or have not heard of Stick Figure, I highly suggest that you um, look him up. I think K-Bong's at that one too. I think there are a lot of amazing- There's so many, reggae. so many acts. I just pulled a few, like literally. Yeah. There's so many acts. Oh, I'm so oh. excited for that one. Like, whoo, I'm so excited for that one. So definitely, definitely check that out and get your tickets. Get your tickets, get your tickets. Uh, all right. So we just wanted to announce that or into the fest. So be on the lookout one when you see us out here in the streets. Come say hi. We'll be doing interviews and talking with folks and handing out some cool summer tour slaps to everybody as well while we're out there. Um, I maybe I should start saying stickers. I'm realizing if people are not within the scene and I'm saying slaps all the time, they might think we're hitting folks. We're not. It's <laughs> vernacular from stickers, people. So you can get a free sticker from us uh, to support Goose Chicks podcast. Uh, 
Um, and yeah, we're really excited to go to these festivals together um, in different combinations and configurations and um, get to see some more music and interact with lots of live music fans. I'm interested too, because I think a lot of folks at these festivals are going to be introduced to Goose. So um, that's going to be fun just seeing people, a lot of folks going to their first Goose live show, which is going to be really cool. Um, all right, we are going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about Mental Health Awareness Month and bring our special guest, June Atkin, on. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for sticking with us. We are so honored to host today's conversation in observance of Mental Health Awareness Month. For some background on why this month is actually even needed, here are some statistics about mental health in the United States. 46% of Americans will meet the criteria for a diagnosable mental health condition sometime in their life. Um, and that means around 50 million U.S. adults are dealing with um, a mental illness right now. Um, there's also a real shortage of providers for mental health services. Um, 20, almost 25% of adults with a mental health illness report that they've tried to get um, support and they've been unable to receive treatment. And um, on a state-to-state -state level, the ratio of individuals to available mental health providers is 504 to 1. It's a really big deficit that we are all dealing with. I also wanted to highlight President Biden's um, proclamation for Mental Health Awareness Month, where he wrote in part, quote, during National Mental Health Awareness Month, we honor the absolute courage of the tens of millions of Americans living with mental health conditions, and we celebrate the loved ones and mental health professionals who are there for them every day. Treatment works, and there is no shame in seeking it. Together, we will keep fighting to get everyone access to the care they need to live full and happy lives. The United States has long faced a shortage of mental health providers. It takes an average of 11 years to get treatment before the on, after the onset of symptoms and less than half of Americans struggling with mental illness ever receive the care that they need. This is especially true in rural and other underserved communities, end quote. Now, we are not experts in this area, so we brought a heavy hitter in to help us sort through the challenges of getting support for your own mental health and the importance of mental health and self-care in general. Uh, June Atkin has a master's degree in counseling psychology, a master's of social work degree, and decades of work in a variety of settings with multiple populations, currently seeing older adolescents and adults across their lifespans in private practice. She has an eclectic and pragmatic approach, primarily drawing from mindfulness-based practices, especially ACT or acceptance and commitment therapy. I would be remiss to not also mention she happens to be the mother of Goose's drummer, Ben Atkin, but we are so excited to have June on the show. Welcome, June. Thank you for joining us and lending us your expertise for this really important topic. Um, I hope you're doing well today, and I'm going to turn the floor over to Lex to get this conversation started. Hey, June, thank you for being with us today. And I just want to give everyone a background. I met June last year. And so we um, just started talking and then found out that she was a therapist or, you know, worked in mental health area 
And so that automatically interests me because I have a background with my sister being manic depressant bipolar and all of us having problems here and there. So over um, the last few months, I've just been talking on and off with June and with it being mental health uh, awareness month this month, um, we, I was just like, oh, hey, can we get an interview this month? Or, you know, can we get you on this month? Because it's such an important topic. And I've heard, you know, so many of my friends discussing it. And especially this year, I mean, just last week, I was at the doctor's office and um, I didn't realize it, but I was talking to my doctor about how I'd been feeling the last few months and um, and just going on and on. And at the end of it, he was like, Alexius, he's like, you have anxiety. And I just, it never clicked. And when he said that, I was just like, oh, wow, that is true. And so, um, so then he puts me on like a little medicine and, and uh, was saying you need to get therapy, which I've been a big proponent of therapy and have done throughout my life. And so immediately, as soon as the appointment's over, I'm texting June and I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, we really have to try and destigmatize this because it is such a problem and it becomes prevalent in one's life. And June was telling me, um, she was like, you know, everyone is going to need therapy at some point in time or to talk to someone at some point in time in their life. And there's no problem with saying that life is hard and there's no problem in saying that I need help at some point. So um, I'm very excited to get June on and to continue this conversation of trying to destigmatize mental health and trying to find help, you know, mental health providers and um, what we can do to look around um, this month is especially uh, 2023. They are saying um, the theme this month is to look around and look within. Um, it could happen from your neighborhoods to genetics. Mm -hmm. And so I just like to to get the conversation going from there. Um, you know, what can what can we do or how do we look in and see that that we need help or our friends need help? And um, so what do you think about it, June? So where I would start in terms of the destigmatizing is actually I would just edit, I think, what you said that that maybe I said or maybe it didn't come out maybe the way I intended. But I don't know that everybody is going to need a therapist at some point in their life. But I think everybody is going to have ups and downs in terms of their mental health, their well-being, just the way the other kinds of health, that we all have, you know, physical vulnerabilities. We all have kind of this DNA that creates this um, uh, kind of our hardwiring, both. And so physically, some, some of us are more or less vulnerable to, you know, all kinds of physical and mental disorders. Um, and then there's the, the things that kind of life throws at us over the course of the lifetime. So that you know, there's infinite combinations of, of, of all of those things. And I think that just like also, you know, the, the only ingredient in um, healthcare isn't doctors. There's a lot that we also need to do for ourselves um, in terms of self-care and in terms of maintaining our physical health. The same thing, I, I look at mental health the exact same way that there are things that um, 
we need to be mindful of and incorporate into just our lifestyle to help to keep us resilient and help keep us feeling and functioning um, as 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 well as we can, knowing that obviously just like physically, sometimes we have to go to urgent care or the doctor or whatever it is, there are going to be times that the, all of the self-care, all of the um, the, the, the kind of uh, daily activities that, that keep us uh, physically and mentally healthy are, are not going to quite meet our needs, then we, we need to seek elsewhere. Right. I, I find that completely true. Um, when at the last couple of months, I haven't been able to do my physical exercise as much and walking. And I've found it was just such a quick decline in how that I felt mentally, how I felt physically. And you just don't realize how much that one thing and walking every morning or doing something small for, for your health can truly affect your mental health, your physical health, your overall well-being. Yeah, and we are, I, I like the phrase, you know, we people kind of run together, the, the mind and body connection kind of a thing. But I, I like even better the phrase kind of, we're, we're a mind-body, that there isn't really, it's an artificial separation. That, um, so, so even breaking it apart, which again goes to the destigmatizing, it goes to this is just we're, we're, we're human beings and uh, we're, we're, we're vulnerable. There's a lot of very um, complicated systems um, that have to all kind of be working correctly for us to feel and function the way we would like to. Right. It seems like you take a really holistic approach to mental health services. And I really appreciate that you know, similar to Lex, I hadn't been working out and I just got a new gym membership because I wasn't feeling good, like not just physically, but like in my head space too. And sometimes you just need to work out stuff when you're stretching or running or you know, swimming, whatever you do. So I appreciate that so much. Um, and I, I also appreciate like, not only do we need to destigmatize seeking services, but maybe not everyone does need therapy like for, like you know because I was just talking to one of my best friends about this and I was like do you ever get like depressed or you know have anxiety or anything and he was like not really and like you know he's one of those people who unless there's something circumstantial may never need therapy but just being able to ask that and like you know as someone who does have to see a therapist not having me judge him either I think is important right um like he's, yeah. he's he's healthy he's fine he's okay and if he needs to seek services he can um right. so and, and that's for right now it's always you right know, right exactly well, all of these things are very fluid across our lifespan and depending on situations and um definitely and that's a that's a really important reason of why we also need to destigmatize it because, you know, we can be okay today. And then, you know, tomorrow, a lot of things can just hit us that we never figured would hit us. And, and so it's just like you said, life is fluid. So today we might be fine tomorrow. We might be fine, but in a year or two, we might need that. And so, and I love what you said about you know, not judging those that don't need therapy or don't need help and, you know, or talking to someone and not judging those who do need, you know, who do need help. Um, I do have a question about like in your 
biography um, about the the act. Could you tell us a little bit more the acceptance and commitment therapy about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it, it's kind of comes under the um, cognitive behavioral domain and also mindfulness. Um, it's basically a very holistic and strengths-based approach to, to mental health, um, which I think you've kind of caught on is kind of the, my, my there's, those are kind of the, my leaning. So it's, um, Uh, hard to explain. I, I didn't kind of, I, I'm not kind of organized to explain it fully, except to say that, um, that, that, that well-being is a function of a whole bunch of things. And one of the things that I think that gets overlooked that I think is very relevant to something like the Goose community is, is values that, you know, we, we tend to think in terms of mental health about, I want to get rid of this symptom. I don't like feeling depressed. I don't like feeling anxious. I, I don't want to feel, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, even behaviors, I want to stop doing this, whatever um, addictive behaviors or whatever it is. And I think that what ACT does and what I really, what really resonates with me is that in, you know, the way we talk about kind of carrots and sticks as being motivators, and, and we very rarely talk about the carrots, and that would be our values, and, and, and talks about creating a life that is aligned with our values and thinking about who we want to be and what's important to us, rather just what we don't want to experience and what we don't want to feel or what we don't want to think, is really putting a lot of um, giving more attention to what we do want in life. Um, and that I think the avoidance kinds of things, I don't wanna feel this, I don't wanna think this, I don't want people to see me this way, um, results in just a very constricted life sometimes or results in doing things that in the short term make us feel better. And that sometimes that's um, you know kind of self-medicating with different substances. Sometimes it's avoiding things that, um, you know, ultimately aren't great for us to avoid. Sometimes it's, you know, um, overeating or even things like avoiding exercise. I just want to curl up on the couch. And, and ultimately, um, that may be in the short term, something that makes us feel better. But in the long term, it's really not contributing towards creating a life that's really where we're really going to thrive. Um, and so what I love about the Goose community is as, as I've gotten to know it, and I was not somebody who, you know, this is a thanks to my son that I have, um, that, that I know what a live music community is like. I didn't kind of do this um, in my more formative years, um, is that there really is a community based on people really sharing interests and sharing passions. And I think that from the get-go, um, helps people to define how they want to live their life, how they want to spend their money, how they want to spend their leisure time. Um, connecting with people on really, you know, I've, I've read some of the <clears throat> posts where people are talking about the, the the lyrics of the songs and the meanings and sharing. And so really deep and, and very meaningful kinds of things um, based on what people are interested in. And I think if... Um, 
how we're feeling is very much reflected and this kind of connects to the mindfulness is what we're paying attention to. So if I'm only paying attention to how I don't want to feel, what I don't like, that last thing that didn't go well or what I'm afraid isn't going to go well, I'm not going to feel very good. If I'm paying attention to, you know, really listening to this music or, you know, connecting with this person or planning this trip, um, likely I'm going to feel a lot better in, in that particular moment. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's so true. And you just saying that is just so eye-opening and and the truth of the matter, because it's also us focusing on the negative of what we don't want to do and, you know, magnifying that to a level because we're just thinking of the negative all the time instead of what we want to do and what the path that takes us there and thinking of the positive. And wow, that's so interesting. Mind blown at this moment, just definitely needed that too. So that's a, that's, just an eye-opening way to see things. And thank you very much for that. And I think that the whole disabilities awareness movement in general as just the framing, even the, the way um, I, I know now um, that uh, that handicap accessible signs, there's a picture, picture of like a wheelchair that's moving. It's not stagnant. It's actually, you know, moving and, you know, a person with a disability. I'm a person with, who, who sometimes feels anxious, or I'm a person with this particular, there's a person there. And then um, bringing more attention to the part of the person, the parts of the person that um, are, are functioning well, and, and kind of there's the materials there and the tools there. And so that's another way in which it's not all about, I need a therapist. I need somebody outside of myself. And I think the role of therapy often, or at least, you know, my, my approach would be to just help broaden somebody's perspective about that, about seeing. And I think that that's something that you don't need any kind of a degree to do is that if, if you have somebody who is um, uh, kind of getting caught up in negative emotions or negative thoughts, um, being able as a friend to help remind them of who they, who you know them to be apart from the place where the struggle is. Right. Yeah. yeah so I, you, you, sorry, just one sec, Chelsea. I wanted to go back to something you said earlier, June, about, you know, that we're a mind body, right? This kind mm -hmm. of melding of the pieces together. I knew Chelsea, I saw your face because this is something actually Chelsea talks about quite often on the show. We call her our empress because she always has these really wise pieces that often come back to that connection between mind and body and not separating them. And um, this is not speaking out of term. This is something my husband talks about quite often, but my husband lives with a bipolar 2 diagnosis. And he says that very often when he introduces himself to people that I'm someone who lives with a bipolar 2 diagnosis diagnosis. And it took a long time for him to get to the point of one, wanting to talk about it, but two, having language that felt like he wasn't other, othering himself in the process, right? Not that I am bipolar, um, because he's not just that, right? And so I really appreciate what you're saying about 
respecting the individual, the personhood of all of, of each of us individually and when we're in the world and interacting with folks that may be going through struggles and also that mind-body um, connection. I think so much of our healthcare system is silos, the needs that we have, and it's so detrimental to us. And it, uh, this is true for everything from eye care to dental care to mental health um, support that we've we have these things siloed and it also then puts them in order of importance, right? And we also know statistically, we can look and see how they have effects on one another, that dental care has a direct correlation to heart health and that mental stability has a direct correlation to our ability to focus and have you know good health in our bodies, generally speaking. So I, I love breaking down all those barriers. I think so much of these conversations end up siloed as well. And we talk only about mental health during this one month, or we talk about it with a really specific lens that doesn't always pull as wide out as we should be to really have as much impact as possible. And I think this community is a really unique one and has, an, has the ability or could have the ability to have some of these conversations deeper with each other in spaces that are positive, in spaces that um, are we're open and we're able to really see the humanity um, with each other. So I just love all of that. And I still stick with my pre-show um, uh, labeling of brilliant uh, when referring to <laughs> So I'm going to just make sure that's set on air as well. Chelsea, what were you going to say? Oh, um, so I, June, when I saw your bio, I looked up this acceptance and commitment therapy because I was curious what it was all about. And um, just from briefly what I read, which was really quick, it seems like, um, you know, mindfulness is a big part of this. And for me, I also have dealt with anxiety in my life very badly. Um, and I don't really so much anymore because um, I think I naturally do this acceptance and commitment therapy to myself, um, which came about, I think, through meditation, though, because I started meditating focusing on mindfulness, um, spiritual connection, and that sort of thing. And now it's kind of naturally part of my life to, you know, feel these feelings and, and go through life that way. And it's, I, I'm just really happy because I've so often um, have people ask me, well, like, how did you kind of um, change your life this way? Like, you know, what did you do? And I'm like, most of the time I just say, I started meditating. I don't know. That's really, um, that's, what I did and that's now here, this is where I'm at. And so that connection um, to, you know, being mindful, taking time to meditate uh, and things like that, if I think that's a great place for people to start, if you are feeling, um, that's where I, you know, I was in therapy already, but when I started doing like, it was like a, I think it was called an, uh, it, guided meditation for acceptance. So there you go. But uh was like the first one I did um, like during COVID because it was so much going on and everyone's like, doesn't know what's going to happen and things like that. And um, so I think that's an easy place for people to start with uh, mm -hmm. their mindfulness journey, which can, you know, as you're saying, can have such an effect on their uh, mental health. And so I just wanted to point that out. And thank you for uh, telling us about this, because I want to read more about um, the acceptance and commitment therapy as well. Yeah, um, I, I, that that's a great point. And I think the way you're describing it, too, is that I, I use the, the metaphor, it's like building a muscle. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that kind of right all the bit, it's not a cure all, it's not something that 
Um, you know, every time I'm upset, I'm going to meditate. But it's something that I think works best is if over time and, and what meditation, what the essence is, and I, and I do teach and practice meditation, um, is about our, our, our focus of attention and setting an intention you know, rather than, and, and that's where kind of the, the, um, the values come in with, with, with act to setting an intention that I'm going to focus on these values, or I'm going to focus when I'm doing my meditation on my breath. And instead of, I'm going to push that, it's not, not about, I'm going to push those thoughts away, or I'm going to feel Zen, or I'm going to whatever. I'm just going to focus on my breath. I'm going to focus on what's happening right in this moment. I'm going to focus on my body. I'm going to focus on an image. I'm going to focus on, um, a, a, a candle, a flame, but it, it's it's learning how to um, be more intentional about our attention um, because what we're paying attention to and that the example, everybody who knows me knows that my biggest challenge in the world is going to the dentist um, and that uh, what helps me when I'm sitting in the dentist chair is I do this, you know, visualization with myself so that I'm, you know, it's the, the classic kind of the beach kind of, and I'm, you know, paying attention to the sound of the waves, you know, in my imagination, the sound of the waves and the smell of the ocean and the very specific sensory kinds of things is what I'm paying attention to so that I can sit in that chair and be reasonably comfortable and calm. You know, it's not, it's not, um, you know, it's, it's not uh, a complete uh, silver bullet, but it, it, it's better. <laughs> but conversely, one can be sitting on a beach at, you know, beautiful, pristine, gorgeous, and be thinking about that thing that happened, that thing I said that, you know, I thought was awkward or the thing I'm anticipating that I'm nervous about and feel really stressed, really tense, really uncomfortable. So that ability to um, focus our attention on things that are going to benefit us. Um, and typically it is one of my favorite, there's a, um, there's a, Stephen Hayes is one of the um, act, kind of the, the gurus of act. And one of the books that he wrote, which is, it's, it's very accessible. It's something that kind of anybody can kind of, it's, it's, it's very user-friendly, but the title of it, I quote a lot, it's called Get Out of Your Mind and Into Your Life. Um, and it is about act and it is about just don't, don't keep dwelling on what you're feeling, what you're thinking, and I don't want to feel that and it's uncomfortable, is kind of step back and kind of look at the other things that are um, you, you have control over. And, and the acceptance part really is accepting the things we can't control. I can't control a thought that comes into my mind. Um, you know, when people say to themselves or say out loud, how many times do people say, I, you know, I, I feel bad for thinking this way, or I shouldn't think this, or I shouldn't feel this. We feel what we feel. We think what we think. We're not in control of that, accepting that I'm going to have these feelings. I'm going to have these thoughts. But now, what do I want to pay attention to? That those thoughts are there. I can just let them be while I go pay attention to something else. And, you know, ultimately, I'm, I'm going to be um, kind of moving in, in a direction that uh, is going to work a lot better. That's awesome. Because that's exactly what I was thinking when you were saying this. I was like, well, how do we take 
because that's the that's the exact truth. We can be sitting in a beautiful spot and on the beach and, you know, just have these worries and these anxieties of, and that tends to be my anxiety. Oh, I said something awkward or Ooh, this is coming up. And so you just answered it right there that those those things are going to be there, but you have to focus on, on, you know, on the things in the moment and getting out of your head. And I'm definitely going to check that book out because that's a, that's a major, major thing of anxiety that I have all the time is looking back at, at what I've done. And, you know, and I need to realize like it's happened, you know, I can't go back and change it, just have to move forward. And, you know, and I, the things that are coming up, just know what's coming up and I can't, you know, you can't anticipate it anymore. You can just be prepared and you're just prepared. And, and I keep trying to tell myself, you know, we're all learning in this, just taking a step forward and trying to do my best is mm-hmm. the, is the, the only thing I can do is just trying my best and doing my best. So I'm trying to work with those anxieties. And so it's wonderful talking to you and hearing these, all these tips and, and things that are happening in our real lives and things that we can put to use. And especially, I mean, the, the, this, this community, what's, what's happening, the common denominator is the music and the, you know, the, the shows and what better place to put one's attention and to really, um, so paying attention. So um, to, to choosing experiences. Exactly. And, um I, I spoke to somebody earlier today who was about to get in her car and drive to an interview and about <clears throat> what are you going to listen to in the car? Are you going to put on some, some music? Are you going to listen to a podcast? You know, how are you going to set yourself up to not be, oh my God, what if I say, and I, I want this job and what if I don't get it? And, and, you know, to, to, to uh, to, to, to be able to arrive and to, to perform as, as well as you can in the interview, um, it's, it's not going to behoove you to be worrying about what if I don't do and, and uh, the, the high stakes involved. Let me just focus on something else that's going to help me to be in, in, in a kind of centered, grounded place. Exactly. I like to call it like my bubble when I'm going to do things. I like to put myself in my bubble and have you know, the music, the things that are going to keep me completely focused on what's happening and not worrying about other factors and other things that are things that have happened or, and even have anxieties about what's going on. I like to have music going and, and know exactly what it takes. And, and Leslie and the girls can tell you, you know, like when I'm up there going to do photography, I will completely just bubble out and zone out and not pay attention. I'll have my headphones in listening to music and just getting in my zone to where I feel comfortable and to do, to do what I've got to do. And I think that that's something very important that a lot of us don't do because when I don't get in my bubble, then for something that I'm completely off centered, off kilter, just can't do, can't work the way that, that I was, that I wanted to work. Yeah, I was, I was talking with Dr. Leah Taylor yesterday from Groove Therapy about a bunch of things, but one of the things we talked about was how so many of us have such um, specific pre-show rituals before we go to shows. And that really the focus, at least for me in my rituals, I didn't realize they were rituals so we started having this conversation, but is that I want to get myself to the place where I can enjoy the show the way I want to enjoy it. And so that starts with a lot of things on the front end for me, making sure I have the things I need, making sure I'm taking meds at specific times, making sure that I have people around me that I enjoy being around. 
all the way to ordering food and having it at wherever I'm staying to eat after the show. So I'm not worrying about if I'm going to have sustenance afterwards, right? Something that could take my mind away from the being present in the moment. So I loved this idea of uh, opening up the ways in which we already are tending to our mental health, even though we don't know it. Like we have conditioned ourselves to think that, oh, that's not, that's not the same thing. And when in reality, that's exactly what we're doing without formally acknowledging that that's what, what it is, which is thinking of what we need and doing what we need to do to make sure we can meet those needs that we have. Um, so I wonder if that's another entry point for folks in the Goose community to start thinking about how they care for themselves and their mental health is like, well, how do you care for your mental health that shows? You know, you you value and you spend a lot of time, talent and treasure to see Goose, to see lots of other bands as well. And you do a lot to make sure that you're able to be present and enjoy yourself. And so how do you apply that same level of care and concern to the rest of your life also? Um, how do you extend that approach to the other things that you do in your life too? I love that. Mm. I, I, the one thing that uh, at Fred Festival that Peter said one time is he's like, you know, put your phones down and be present. And so that was quite a, you know, quite a while ago. And from that, from that point on, I have put my phone down and started to be more present. And that started at shows. And then now it's gone to, I turned my phone on do not disturb for 12 hours a day overnight and, and later in the evening and through the morning. So that way that I have the evening with my children and my family and for myself that I can think of things or that I can just have that relaxation time. And then also in the morning, so you're not getting bombarded by emails, text messages, things that you, you just want to start your day on a fresh foot and not with those anxieties of the day of everything that's going to come through. And um, so the, so that has, you know, the, uh, the goose uh, goose band or the jamily has helped me to become more present in my life. And when I don't do those things, it starts, I start to feel, you know, just not as, not as mentally healthy and, you know, just being present and, and working out and, you know, and well, where I go on a walk, there's a beautiful river. It's, um, you know, so the water is going, it's in the nature. So it's just, you're kind of getting two in one, you know, your nature and your walk in. So it's just very peaceful. So I found that, um, putting my phone on do not disturb until I'm finished with my walk is the best, is the best thing for me to do for my mental health. And I think that's a thing that a lot of people can remember is, hey, there is do not disturb on phones because they tend to run our lives now and the anxieties that they give. And so I highly suggest putting your starting out for a few hours and putting your phone on do not disturb. And I think, you know, the the, the reason why the phones are such an issue when we're doing that and, you know, trying to that the, the truth is, and I, I'm not a, I don't pretend to be um, a, a, um, a, a neuroscientist by any means, but my understanding is that the way our brain processes information, that they really are one, one thing at a time, that multitasking is a misnomer. And what is happening is if we're trying to do multiple things at the same time, we're kind of ricocheting back and forth and you can just even the visual of that is, is you're ping-ponging it's not conducive to focus it's not conducive to calm it's not conducive to being grounded 
Um, and so that by doing things, just intentionally one thing at a time, what am I paying attention to now, um, does help to just calm our nervous system. Um, I think too, I'd be remiss if I didn't say as a sociologist, we've normalized that type of like, you know, doing a million things at once type of behavior in the U.S. and in the West, but it's a very Western construct, right? And so it's a very Americanized thing to feel like you're only being productive if you're, you know, doing multiple things and multitasking. So um, that's, that's not how most of the world lives, you know? Yeah, and it's certainly not how our, um, our our mind and body, you know, that's not how they were evolved to, 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 to function best. Right. And Hannah, with you saying that um, when you, you know, go to third world countries or see photos of, you know, third world countries and people in it, the people are so happy, you know, in every photo they're smiling and they're happy and they're thankful for the things that they have. Whereas in America, we've become so entitled and we feel that that we have to have these things. And if we don't have these things, that this is not happiness. And um, my husband and I were talking about that the other night about how the um, Americans, like, I love to spend my Christmases in other countries because it's so much fun and people are just actually celebrating the holiday together. And in America, you know, they're they're measuring how many presents tall, you know, like, oh, I did a good job because my kids' presents, you know, the, they're this high, they're this many feet high, that the, that's how many presents that they have. And so it's just such a different different way of thinking about things. And I think that mental health has become extremely prevalent in the United States because everyone's thoughts are on what they have and what they don't have instead of, you know, being in the moment, living in those memories and being able to put self-focus on themselves. And they're, everyone's focusing on everyone else instead of focusing on themselves and what they need in their lives and, you know, in the present moment and, so I think that that's a that's a big thing to be able to look in our lives and you know see what we need and to be able to put that first. Right, and to accept that we are living in a particular culture, we are living in a particular society. <laughs> We're not going to change that, and, so true. and we can add actually kind of exacerbate how much we're impacted by that negatively. By feeling resentful, by feeling like why and how come and wouldn't it be. Or we can say, yes, that is. And now what I'm what am I going to focus on? What am I going to do inside my space? And how am I going to create um a, a life that's aligned with my values and, and to to accepting the things that I can't control, that I can't change, um and 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 then focus and 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 be more effective in coming up with ways to um to to move in the direction of what what our path. Uh, you know, wants to be. Great way to put it. I'm going to have to start doing that. <laughs> yeah, and I think also there's, I know, you know, in, in the work that I do in um, laboratory work, a lot of the things we talk about is like we create the world we want to see and how we go about doing our work now. So we sort of come from a position of we know the world we'd like to see and how we want to be with each other. And so as we go about doing this work together, we have to live in that moment still. We have to like bring that energy into the space and treat each other the way we would if we were all free and we all had the things that we needed and operate from that kind of uh, vantage point. And I think, you know, the cultural thing is, is 
crucial in the context that, you know, we have lots to learn from other cultures um, that approach mental health differently, that approach community differently. I've been lucky enough to live um, outside the country multiple times, but most recently in Argentina for a couple of years. And one of the things that really struck me was the sense of community that that I was able to experience there was so palpable that when we moved back here, I was it was so jarring to me um, to not have a, a cradle of people that were constantly um, talking and constantly wanting to do things together, spontaneously doing things together. And also the ways in which um, affection was shown was, was so different. You know, it was very common to see male friends um, of any age holding hands, walking down the street, right? This was a common, common thing. And so it was really jarring coming back to the United States and being like, oh my goodness, okay, I've got to like rearrange myself, reorient myself. And then also decide what am I going to do to make sure those things that I loved about living in Argentina and what, about that culture, how do I bring those things into my life? And where what do I need? What kind of community? do I need to build to ensure that those things remain at the forefront? And so for me, it's like, I love traveling because you get to see other cultures and see how they approach things differently. And then, you know, what pieces of those things can you bring back with you and affect your bubble and your circle and your people that you get to, to hang out with and spend time with? So yeah, all of that, it's all complex and it's all wonderful because that's how life is, complex and wonderful all at the same time. So true, Leslie. Great way of putting it. And I think that's why the jamily becomes such a so important in our lives is um the sense of community that we have and the sense of um oh, what is it um acceptance and love and um just having each other's backs and um and i think that that's what the jamily brings to our lives and uh, and the happiness that that brings and so it's that's why to me what you just said that's why it's important for me the jamily is so important for me is to have that in our lives. Um, Chelsea, I wanted you to ask this question about life cycle, because I think that was something that I, I found really interesting about your bio as well, June. So I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Chelsea, to do that. Yeah. So, um, so can you speak to the uh, mental health over the life cycle? So we're thinking about how uh, there's such a large age range of people that go to shows and festivals and how does um, that impact seeking services and other things like that? Um, hmm. Actually, I have to say that that's something that um, I, I really um, personally enjoy so much about the whole scene is the diversity in the age range. Um, I, I know that, um, you know, I, I feel like me just walking into the room is, is, is stretching that diversity a little bit, which um, it's, it's fine. It's good. It feels, um, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it feels really nice. I think that's another facet of our society is that we are in kind of silos by, by ages too. Um, I'm not quite sure. I, I don't know that there's a an, an answer to that in particular, except to say that different people and you, 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 sometimes it's 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 kind of there's the kind of the normal, you know, developmental kind of things that people go through, uh, but not everybody there that 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 doesn't necessarily fit everybody's experience. So I think sometimes. People are feeling like, okay, by age 30, I should have it all figured out. Or, um, you know, at age 
whatever, I shouldn't be feeling this way anymore, or I should have, I should, I should have, you know, I, I should have my person by this age or whatever it is. So I think that kind of letting go of, um, and I guess this is out of your mind and into your life about kind of what your mind has told you is the right thing or the normal thing or the, 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 um, what everybody is doing. So therefore I need to do it too. And to have some, um, uh, kind of tuned into who, who I am, where I happen to be in my life's journey and, and what, what the needs are. And I think that, um, definitely finding peers who are going through it so that we're not traveling by ourselves is helpful. Sometimes finding um, mentors who've been through it so we don't have to um, reinvent the wheel. Um, it, it, it also can be gratifying kind of to, to, to be at the other end of things and to be mentoring and, and supporting and, and helping to share one story with other people. So I think that there are things that we can gain and things that we can contribute at, at all of the places in, in the, the lifespan. And I think that that's also part of um, mental health is feeling like you are part of a community and that you're commu- contributing in, in some way to a community. I'm also big on having a mentor that's like younger than you, uh, especially with like mental health stuff, because even, you know, I'm a um, like smack dab millennial in the middle. And like when I hear younger people in their 20s and even teens talking about seeking services, I think because they grew up in a more globalized context of like social media and stuff like that and seeing discourse about mental health in those spaces, they sometimes are more comfortable being like, hey, I need help. I need a therapist or I need to maybe be on medication. And that's something that, you know, I can still struggle with sometimes is articulating those things. And so I don't know, I'm just a huge proponent of that. And that's one of the reasons why I really appreciate the jam scene because you can learn from these people who, you know, in a more traditional way, who are of an older generation, like my dad and I like the same music and that's really cool. But then I also learned from like the Lucases of the world who are, you know, 24, 25 years old, like, you know, just their worldview is a little bit different, I think. And it's, it helps me see the world in a better way than what I did before. And I appreciate that a lot. Right. I think yeah, that's wonderful. I think part of that, that we all benefit from diversity. I think we mm. all benefit yeah. from all kinds of diversity. Just staying open-minded and open heart, you know, and being, having everyone, you know, I think it's important to be open-minded and have an open heart towards everyone because my friends range from the 70s, you know, all the way down to the younger. I think that I think one of them just turned like isn't even 21 yet, you know, and it's just such a wonderful thing to have all of these people in the music scene and everyone um, having that commonality and starting out with the music that we're there for being um, being the commonality and then just growing your relationship from there. And what you said, Hannah, and, you know, having mentors is so awesome. And like you said, June, now having to reinvent the wheel, you know, having friends there to help guide you and then being there to help guide the younger ones and and 
and it and it really be helping that maybe it not might not be someone needing help at that moment and but then they might need help so what what i'm observing about the conversation is that what we really have ended up talking about is the kind of um self-care and the kind of lifestyle and organic and holistic kinds of ways to promote our own and others' mental health and well-being. And um, I, I appreciate that. Um, also, just, you know, because I know that you did ask me kind of at the beginning about, about therapy and about therapists and um, that you know, obviously just like when things go wrong with our bodies, sometimes we can't, you know, holistic uh, and, and, and self-care isn't going to kind of get us the results that we need that um, being able to, and this is part of the acceptance, accepting that, you know what, I'm in a place where I need to reach out and ask for help. And um, it, it can be a challenge and that can, you know, create its own stressors related to lack of availability and all of the barriers to care, um, you know, related to the insurance industry and related to different states and regulations and, and um, rural versus urban areas and, and um, just under-resourced parts of the country. Um, so it can be really challenging and that, um, Kind of persevering, just using resources, um, and uh, and that's where also um, not allowing the stigmatization to you know to to keep us quiet about it and just doing it on our own, but you know opening up to other people. Do you know of anybody? Um, you know, you know, obviously asking one's primary care doctor, um, asking other people in one's community. Um, for, for resources, asking if you have insurance, asking the insurance provider to help you find somebody. Sometimes at work, um, there are EAP programs, employee assistance programs, um, or HR um, professionals who can help people to access services, but to be a squeaky wheel. Um, and then also to know that like any other relationship, not any two people are going to be the right fit for each other. And that sometimes it takes some, some trial and error and um, finding somebody who um, feels like you can connect with and um, is uh, kind of um, giving you answers, giving responses that, feel like they work for you, that it's, that it's not one size fits all. Like there are, there are definitely here people who, um, I, I, I kind of try to sell meditation on practically everybody. And, but if somebody says, you know what, that's not for me, that's okay. You know, Alexia says you were talking about your, your walks in the morning that you can, um, informally practice mindfulness by, my, my go-to when I'm, I'm, I'm walking or running um, is when, when I feel myself, when I observe myself to be kind of caught up in my head is I go to the birds. I, I know and, and, and how astounded I am almost every time 
when as soon as I remind myself to listen to the birds, like they're there, whereas the nanosecond previous, when I was in wherever my head was, it was as if the birds didn't exist. So I, I just digress. I'm sorry about that. But just uh, there are different ways, like finding somebody, not you know, not trying to somebody to push you a, a square peg, a peg in a round hole. Um, also I'm not obviously my, neither of my degrees, um, entitles me to prescribe medications, but I, um, and, and a lot of people, and I very much respect will say, I really don't want meds or I I, want to come off of my meds. And that's part of where my pragmatism kind of comes in is that for different people, it, it takes something different. To, to feel and function the way we want. And this is where um, looking at what are my values? How do I want to live my life? Who do I want to be? And that whatever it takes to get there is, is right for that particular person. And um, there's a, you know so, ma- so many different strategies, so many different kinds of treatment, so many different kinds of um, therapeutic relationships. And really figuring out, and 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 all as well as substances, and um, the way I even define substance abuse isn't by what people are taking or how much they're taking, how frequently is is this helping the person to live in a life that's a, live a life that's aligned with their values, or is it getting in the way of that? You know, and and a lot of that is just in the short term. Yeah, it feels great. I'm back happy, but wait a minute, this is who I want to be and how I want to live my life. It's not happening. So if it takes meds to do that, if it takes refraining from substances to do that, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not uh, about judging the approach. It's not about judging the substance. It's about what actually for any individual person creates, helps to create kind of a, a, a life that is meaningful and vibrant and, and, and worth living. I love what you were saying about, one second, I love what you were saying about just going out of, you know, mining your network, right? When you're looking for a therapist. And Mm -hmm. one thing I would love folks to do is like, if you're in therapy, like talk about it with your friends, Mm -hmm. mention it to people because sometimes they won't know that you have a therapist that could be a resource. Even if they don't go to your therapist, I know my therapist always is like, I have referrals. I can tell people to go to other folks as well. So I think the more that folks know that you are in therapy and that you have a therapist, that they'll see you as a resource to at least maybe start a conversation or have someone to ask a question about. So I, I love that you mentioning that. And I think we can help facilitate that that network building by being more transparent about the fact that we are in therapy and that we um, utilize therapy services. As well as destigmatizing, just like Absolutely. it's not shocking. Nobody feels stigma about the fact that I go to a doctor. You know, not that right. if, if, just to normalize that. This is, right. you know, mm-hmm. Hannah, I don't have to be serious about where that, where I'm going at three o'clock today, you know? Go ahead, Hannah. My true confession is that I was one of those people June was talking about where I did not want to um, meditate and it felt very performative to me. It felt like everyone in grad school does this for mindfulness and you have to too. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. But then like over time, it's become a really great option for me as far as just checking in with my anxiety and stuff like that. And I notice a big difference. So I think there's like something to be said for 
practicing something and not writing it off right away. Because if I had not continued doing it and just, you know, I felt it was performative and I was doing it because it was expected of me. But then over time, it became this tool in my toolbox of dealing with my anxiety and my depression. And so sometimes you have to stick with stuff, even if it's hard or even if it's out of your comfort zone. And now I'm a huge advocate of meditating, but like, I won't like try to push it down people's throats because I was one of those people. Um, I have to recommend another book just because I'm for another <laughs> one. I just love that. I'm a sucker for good book titles. But um, Dan Harris, 10% Happier is pretty, you know, pretty, pretty well known. There's an app um, with um, for, for meditation and, and podcasts and all of that. He wrote a book, 10% Happier. It was really well written, very accessible. But he wrote a sequel called Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics or Mindfulness, Mindfulness, I think, for Fidgety Skeptics, which I love, which kind of helps to just broaden the concept of what meditation is, what it can be, what whatever you're you're coming into it with that makes it challenging, kind of a way to accept. Yeah, no, you don't have to do it this way. You can th- you can do it this way. This can work for you. I will tell people. Um, so ten percent happier, and then me- I think it's mindfulness for fidgety skeptics or meditation. I can't remember. I found one. it, and I am definitely a fidgety skeptic. <laughs> So good. And it's really, it's a very accessible, user-friendly, very kind of a conversational kind of a book. Yes, I feel seen by that title. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, we want to be mindful of your time. So just really quickly, if you could have our listeners take one thing away from our conversation about music and the mental health scene, or sorry, the music scene and mental health stuff, um, what would that big takeaway be? I know that's a tall order. Um, yeah, no pressure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, being there, you know, when, when you're listening to music, whether you're on your own or whether you're at a show, just being there, um, connecting with people who share interests and passions that you have, um, you know, put, put, put down your phone and just like, as, as, as wise man, Peter says, um, I, I guess I, you know, on the spot for one takeaway, I guess that's the best I can do. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's, um, I think you can never hear that enough. And I appreciate that you incorporated both like mental health stuff and mindfulness stuff with, Parts of being at a, a show and stuff like that. Um, and I know like for me. Well, Leslie, I don't know what you said, Leslie, about getting ready, like lining up everything. Yeah. So if it doesn't happen, because we can't control all those things all the time, getting out of our head and how it would have, could have, should have been, it would have been better if, and okay, I'm here now, take a breath and and, and be there. That's what the ladies room combos are all about. Literally, yes. when something happens, like, Ladies room, we have a meeting. We're going to go there. We're going to shake it off and we're going to get back into, you know, the headspace we want to be in and support each other to be able to do that. So absolutely. I, I like take that away in my everyday life because like when I'm doing events and stuff like that on campus and like in higher ed, things never go the way you're like, everything is so bureaucratic and planned, but things don't ever go the way it's supposed to. And so like taking that away and being like, hey, like I can't control these things. What can I control? Or like what 
what can I change about this situation? So I feel like it's like transferable to other aspects, almost all other aspects of your life, really. So I appreciate that. I agree with you, Hannah. Always find the silver lining and like what you can what you can take away from it because you can always learn a lesson somewhere and there's a silver lining somewhere. And if you find that silver lining, it makes life a whole lot easier and instead of being negative about everything to find the positive, the one positive part of what has happened. Even if it's the lesson you learned from it, whatever that might be, that could be, I always talk about that all the time. I may not be able to find the greatness in the situation, but whatever lesson I was able to glean from it and take forward, you know, is always helpful to look at too. Yeah. I also just want to add one thing to that therapy taught me is like, there's also space for like anger or upset. You know what I mean? It's just like, like if something isn't going well, like you don't have to be like this hippy dippy, like everything is fine, you know, right? Like, acknowledge those feelings, but then learning how to deal with them. Like I like to say therapy taught me how to unlearn anger. My dad was raised in an angry household and that's how he showed his, like he would yell and he would scream. And I had a partner for a long time who would just stop me and she would be like, this is, you cannot communicate this way when you're upset. And so I went to the, like, I was in and out of therapy at that time. And I started going more regularly to unlearn how to communicate my feelings when I'm upset or something really needs to be addressed because it's not going right. So I think, you know, that's the other sort of the yin and the yang of that is like, yes, find the silver lining, but like be okay with your feelings when, yeah. Well, that's, that's the acceptance. I mean, accepting that the feelings are the feelings. We can't control that. What we can control is what we do with the feelings, how we cope with them, what we, what behaviors, what comes out of our mouths. And so I'll stop with my last, last words. I'm sorry. <laughs> Love it. June, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. Really, this is just a wonderful conversation. Thank you for lending your expertise and taking some time out of your definitely busy schedule to come and spend time with the four of us. We can't thank you enough. Um, and we, of course, don't want to take up too much of your time. So we're going to go ahead and let you go. Please tell them we said hello. And thank you again for joining us. We, we're just, we love you. you. And we are so grateful. And so hopefully we'll see you at a show soon. That would yeah. be great. Tell Rich and Micah, hey, too. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. again to June Atkin for joining us. I mean, y'all, what gems, what brilliance, what um, ease of conversation and really helping us kind of dig deeper into some difficult topics and also some topics that she helped 
uh, see aren't as difficult as we may think they are, right? Exactly. Um, I, I loved I loved everything about the conversation. We're so grateful. Um, as always, we also want to hear from you. We have a voicemail line set up for all Goose Chicks and fans to share their experiences with Goose and the Jam Van scene. And even if you have a commentary about your own mental health and how you've been dealing with mental health in this time, give us a call at 704-275-3128 to leave us a message. It might get played on the show. Goose Chicks podcast is produced by Leslie Mack with support from sound engineer Matt Dwyer, co-host Alexis Lipo, and contributors Chelsea Long and Hannah Liebreich. That's me. Special thanks to our sponsor, Ben and Jerry's, for their support, especially Jay Curley, Jay Tandon, and their entire team. We are a proud member of the Osiris Media family. You can check us out on our socials at Goose Chicks Pod and on our website, goosechickspod.com, including our very first merch drop available now. Check it out. And remember to subscribe and leave us a review in your favorite podcast app. Also, tell a friend about the show. It really helps us out. Don't forget to call our number and leave us a message, 704-275-3128. Until next time, be kind to each other out there and remember to keep it 10. Bye. Bye. Osiris. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.